Welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are finally wrapping up our listener submitted grab bag unit uh, with a book that was submitted to us by listener Arthur. Uh, we read Recursion by Blake Crouch, mm. which is a fun little sci fi thriller, timey wimey. Jeremy Baramy stuff mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Em? Uh, yeah, lots of uh, timey-wimeyness. I went into this with, like, I think this is the first one in a while that I've had basically no info going into it. I mean, like, so yes, a couple of the other the literary slummer ones, like Sisters Grimm, but I feel like that one we talked about it worked to, like, our detriment where what we assumed from the marketing kind of, like, made it not as good as maybe it could have been. This one, I was like, I literally, I didn't have any idea. I didn't know what genre it was supposed to be. I didn't. Oh, how fun for you. Yeah, I was just like, let's do it. Let's go. I think I remember we uh, when we talked about it, you had said it was a thriller. So I was kind of like, oh, it's going to be a thriller. And I didn't really find it to be much of a thriller, honestly. Really? See, I felt it was too much thriller, not enough mm. sci-fi for me. Interesting. I thought it was mm-hmm. very sci-fi low thrills. I was like, hmm, <laughs> this isn't particularly thrilling to me, but... Mm. What a scientific quandary. Not really. I thought the science... Like, it was, like, sci-fi. It was sci-fi. more, like, philosophical. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah. like, sci-fi in that, like, wouldn't it be interesting? So it was not hard sci-fi. Unless maybe no. I'm wrong, and maybe there is, like, a <laughs> possibility They did talk that... a lot about, like, the building of the science, but not the specific. So I think it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, pop sci-fi, sort of. I, even that, I felt like is it was... Is that the right term? I don't know. I, felt I invented like... it. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> I felt like it was, like, not even trying to... It was, like, that sort of sci-fi that's really just magic, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of pretending it's science, but I'm like, this, this, no, this wouldn't work this way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um... I I kind of struggled with this one, and it, it does come down to personal taste mm. because this is obviously a very popular book, um, and I could see why people liked it, and there were parts I did enjoy. I'm not saying, like, I fully outright disliked it. I just got, like, with all of, like, the loops mm-hmm. and, and everything, I was just kind of at one point, like, get on with it. Like, I don't <laughs> – I don't care about all the lives that Helen lives. I don't – I just, I just want to make sure, like, Slade gets killed. I want to make sure that, like, everyone's nose is stopped bleeding. I just, you know, like, I just, <laughs> I want there to not be nuclear warfare. I felt almost the exact opposite, where for the mm. first part of this book, I was like, this is so boring. And then once it got into the really loopy stuff, I was like, yes, this is what I wanted from Time Traveler's Wife. Oh. I want this time travel drama, except the woman is the one no who is grooming. in charge. <laughs> and no grooming. And no grooming. Except sort of well, grooming, kinda. but like in a very respectful way. We'll get to that. They're both adults. Yeah, and she like <laughs> tells him what's up, like basically as soon as she can. Yeah, um, yeah. Which was cool. Uh, yeah, I liked the second half of this book, I think, mm. but then I also hated the ending. Um I, yeah, I, yeah, I thought, I thought the ending was kind of like, I feel like the whole book was building to this premise or theme or whatever that a is incredibly like done to death of like, let it go, let it go. Yeah. And B 
I hate. Like, I'm like, any any sort of time travel thing that's like, it's actually a bad thing to go back and save the person you loved. I'm like, that's stupid and bullshit and I hate it. Like, it's anything that's like, we can't do scientific progress because of, because what if humanity does bad? Like, I was 100% on Slade's <laughs> side through most of this book. And I felt like it was a huge contrivance that he ended up being wrong. I was like, no, Slade yeah. should have been right. Like Slade should have been like, he had traveled so much that he knew secrets we couldn't comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they should have gone back. I think they should have gone back to, like, the time when they knew that they had the data leak and just be like, not going to let it leak, and then kept going, <laughs> doing what doing what they could have done. Um, I really hated the romance in this. I did not think having a romance in this was necessary mm. at all. Like, there doesn't need to be this whole, like... I, it's just, I felt so bad for Julia, right? Because yes. she's constantly, like, just because, like, she was in this relationship with the main character and it kind of reached this natural conclusion a couple different times. And um, then then it's kind of like, well, you know, fuck all that history with her because I really, that my soulmate is this one over here that's doing the time traveling. And, like, I don't know. I just, I didn't want them to be in love. I thought that was just, like, so ham-fisted in there. I was like, Whatever. I felt it was very ham-fisted for the, again, for the first half where it was, like, oh, we're not seeing any of their relationship. It all happens off off screen, basically. Yeah. And then she just decides they're in love, pretty much. But mm-hmm. I really liked their relationship in the loop part. I was like, this is good. Mm-hmm. But then again, we got back to Julia, and I was like, F- fuck this, dude, for real. With the Julia and who, who else I felt yeah. bad for? Megan. Terrible. Megan. Pour one out Megan, for Megan. Yeah. Man, she got straight up refrigerated in this book multiple times. Was it was no good. never any, like closure to that it's just like the closure was the closure that was the point of the book which is you gotta let it go let it go can't hold it back anymore um except not like in an emotional sense like just like in the things happen and then they have to happen and and you just shouldn't you should move on yep and i hate that i hate that message like yeah i i get the general vibe of like don't dwell on it you can't change it but it's like mm-hmm. it really undercuts it when you can time travel because you can change you can it. change it and they did change and it, they did and then, change it yeah mm. <laughs> i don't know yeah i just i just i really liked the setup for the first part of this book because i thought it was going to be more of like a detective-y thing mm. and then it wasn't and you know i like I like a good like detective mystery. That's that's my whole jam. And then when it just turned out to be kind of like a weird side like tech thrillers. Mm, See, this makes perfect sense because you like detective stuff, and the first yes, half seemed yes. to be detective stuff, and I was like, mm, I hate this. And then I like dumb philosophical bullshit, and that was all the <laughs> and second I half. Have no patience for that <laughs> at all. So this really was just a an a, a, a book that was perfectly split along. Yeah. Some of our big uh, disagreements in terms of literature. True, true. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've given enough vague hints about this book that will mean nothing to anyone who hasn't read it yet, who would you recommend this book for? Um, I think people who like dumb philosophical bullshit would probably like it. Uh, if you like time travel books in general, I don't think it did anything like crazy ground breaking in terms of the time travel of it all. No, but it was solid. It was solid. Yeah. You yeah. know, a lot of. It all tracked. It made sense. Right. Um, there were consequences. So, you know, if you like that sort of thing, maybe give it a shot. Yeah. 
Um, I agree. Like if you if you're just looking for like a light sci-fi, this is definitely an airplane read. Mm-hmm. I would say you're traveling. Uh, you don't want to have to expend that much energy. You know, like I definitely skimmed. Um, and so I feel got the gist of this book. Um, then yeah, this is this is a super quick read. Uh, and it is fairly entertaining for what it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't dis I didn't fully dislike it. I just, I wanted it to lean harder in the direction that I preferred, and it went in the direction M preferred, so. Well, and then it also didn't fully stick the landing for yeah. me either, but. Yeah, that whole Antarctica thing, I was like, okay. I, it, I'm more of the, just, it should have ended fucking epilogue. The fucking epilogue. The epilogue us fucked again. it up. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you, this wasn't quite to your tastes, is there anything you've been reading recently that you would suggest? Well, I have been in the mood for mysteries, I have to say. Um, I did read um, for our Literary Slimmer Challenge, a book written mm. before I was born. I read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie, which is like one of her more well-known, like kind of twisty ending ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I have heard enough people say, like, you'll never guess the ending that I did guess the ending, <laughs> but I, it, for me, like knowing the ending, even of a mystery, like does not ruin the experience for mm. me at all. I very much, I would read Agatha Christie every day. I just, I love her stuff. I love her writing. Um, so I read that and then I was like, well, now I'm kind of in the mood for historical mysteries. So I picked up and I'm, I've like about 20% of the way through a book called a peculiar combination by Ashley Weaver, who she's written another historical mystery series that I really like. But um, basically this one is like a family of safe crackers gets um, like picked up during one of their jobs, like arrested, but by the military. And they're like, hey, we need you to use your safe cracking skills for military purposes. And there's probably going to be a romance somewhere in there. I'm really enjoying that. Um, And then and then my brain was like, mystery. No, stupid romance. (laughs) So (laughs) I picked up on Kindle Unlimited. I just started today and like blitzed through the first like 40% of this book. Here's the thing about me. My toxic trait is um, I want to eat the rich, but also I love to read a billionaire romance. And that's just me. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I love a villain. I love a villain. And all billionaires are villains. Don't give me that (laughs) shit. Um, But it's a billionaire fake romance. The last eligible billionaire by Pippa Grant. Okay. I've never read this author before. Um, which I'm always like, especially with like Kindle Unlimited stuff, I'm always hesitant to pick up mm-hmm. a book by an author I've not had like vetted already. Cause like, can go you either way. You don't know either way. Um, but so far I'm liking it. There's a few like, I don't know, questionable, like a little bit of like fat shaming stuff, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a fake, fake relationship with a billionaire. Fantastic. It's, you know, the story. <laughs> How about you? Um, I've been bad this past couple weeks. I've been starting and stopping a lot of stuff. Mm, um, but I did too. finish a couple graphic novels, one of which really kind of resonated with this book, I feel like. Uh, mm-hmm. The other one was called um, The Me You Love in the Dark by uh, Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. Um, which mm-hmm. is about a woman who moves into like a haunted house and then oh, starts cool. like an abusive relationship with the haunted house. Oh, it's very what? fucked up. So you wait, know, yeah, <laughs> I was on board. It's like then a it's ghost a twist. demon thing that's in the, the house, but maybe is the house in the dark. 
Uh, the Me You Love in the Dark, yeah. The other one that more fits with the book this week is um, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr by Ram V and Felipe Andrade. And it is about uh, the goddess of death dies. No, doesn't die. She gets uh, fired and has to love go, this yes, already and has to go to earth and live in the body of this girl um because there is a guy on earth who is born who is going to invent immortality you see where this is going with the things resonating yes. with the things yes, anyway yes, yes. she has to keep going and finding this guy and like having conversations with him um and she dies a lot but then life the god of life keeps bringing her back um, because he's in love with her. And it's. Oh no, I love that. I know, right? <gasps> um, and it's, you know, it's a good book about like life and death and uh, yeah. the sort of you need to let go vibes of the book that we read, but without the problem of there being <laughs> time yes. travel that means you don't have to let go. Perfect. Oh my gosh, Boom Studios. I love, I love Boom Studios. I know, right? I feel like they, they pump out some good stuff. Yeah awesome so those are those are my picks awesome let's talk about this book let's do it let's talk about this book as best we can like we said very timey-wimey jeremy bear me bullshit happening in this book but i'm gonna try and tell it to you linearly linearly but linearly from whose perspective anna the books Oh, no, it's impossible. I'm just going to do my best. Um, I believe in you. So it's broken up into like five books and an epilogue, which, you know, you know, my stance, prologues and epilogues, I'm like, throw them out. I don't need them at all. If they are necessary to the story, they should have been chapter one and last chapter. <laughs> like I have a slightly looser stance on prologues and epilogues, mm-hmm. but I do think that they need to have a strong reason for being epilogue and prologue and not just chapter one chapter two mm-hmm. usually something in terms of uh style or theme or whatever that makes it distinct from the rest of the book and not i don't in think the middle of a word <laughs> yeah well you know he made a choice okay sure yeah. sure sure but i don't feel like the epilogue was distinct from the rest of the book except for the mm-hmm. fact that it was like after just tack that on to the end of book five like, or just make a book so much six. Time travel bullshit yeah like i don't understand anyway and also anyway. i hated everything that happened in the epilogue so yeah yeah so uh we start with book one the book one kind of centers around barry barry is a he's a police officer like he's a detective but in robberies um but as the book opens he is like He's been called to uh, the scene of this woman. She is about to, um, she's about to end her life because she has what in this world is called false memory syndrome. So she woke up one day having a completely new set of memories alongside her quote unquote real ones of her living a different life. She had married this man. They had a son together and it was a very happy life and while she is fully aware of false memory syndrome, she she also retains all like the emotions that go along with these memories, and she cannot help but like mourn for the son that she doesn't have because in like this current existence she lives alone and whatever, so she just can't live with that. And Barry is called to the scene because he's a uh, what do they call it? Like not like is it not negotiator first but- responder sure like he has like the special training to like oh does he i didn't catch that i thought he just literally was the first person there like oh i think i think he's the first person that is able to like 
he has the set of skills where you stop people from trying to end their lives. This was the cop part of the book. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. Hostage so negotiator, sorry. but she's not a hostage. But he's not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's had suicide training, basically. Mm. Um, and so he's like trying to talk her out of this and he and and the woman is like well do you have kids and he's like i had a daughter but she died and this woman is like yeah but at least she was real and you could talk to people about her and then she jumps off the building Hmm. so barry is like really kind of stricken by this whole series of events so the, the, the false memory syndrome is not unheard of it's kind of centralized to new york city it seems like at least in the very beginning of this book for reasons that are explained later but um Basically, all these people, like, you can one day wake up with all these false memories and people around you, like, in your family also seem to be affected. So, like, they don't know how this disease, what they think it is, is, like, some pathogen in the air that's implanting false memories into people. They don't, the CDC and then the government people, they don't understand what's going on. So, Barry is like, I'm going to investigate this. He goes, he uh, looks up the husband that this woman had mentioned he goes to that guy's house and he's like hey have you heard of this woman and that guy's like uh uh no (laughs) no way that's so weird uh barry's like you're fucking lying but you know what can i do about that on his way back um from visiting that guy's house he gets a call from that guy and he's like hey i couldn't say anything while you were here but i did know that woman and if you want more information you have to go to this particular location in new york city it's a hotel uh and that's all i can tell you <laughs> the hotel like called like hotel memory or something. hotel memory yeah stupid also there is this whole thing with this woman who um jumped off the building where she's like oh he in my version, in the, the life that doesn't exist for her, the false memories, we think, at this point. The mm-hmm. guy that she was married to, his wife killed herself in the same manner. And I thought maybe On the same building. if I did yeah. this, then he would show up and try to save me like he couldn't save her. And then uh, while Barry's... But he in, did save her. Well, she doesn't the, know yeah. that. Yeah. She doesn't know that because then Barry is like goes and goes to the house and oh my gosh the wife's alive and like looks it up and whatever and it's like he did save her in this reality do you see where we're yeah, going yeah, yeah, with yeah. this yeah do you gotta do yeah you get it? the guy is like i just wanted a second chance what does that mean i don't know barry goes to the hotel <laughs> to investigate um and on the way there he notices this is kind of like picked up a tail this are like really buff guy that obviously is carrying a weapon and a shoulder holster um and he gets to the hotel and the guy that's been following him is there and he knocks him out and they put him he wakes up and he's like submerged in this machine in like one of those off buck what's it called the um uh the d- d- dep- sensory deprivation tank yes yeah, sensory deprivation yeah he's inside <laughs> there and this voice is saying to him like i was gonna fucking kill you but i did like look into your backstory um that's what this, you call it. that's what you call the things that happened previously to you in your life that's what i, call I looked it. at your backstory that you wrote up for me and submitted um <laughs> that you sent me at 3 a.m saying hey do you think this will work for the next campaign uh-huh. <laughs> i was like yeah we'll see uh i will i'm gonna send you back in time i need you to remember the the last time you spoke to your daughter and you need to like re- you need to relive that memory as much as you can and we kind of cut away from Barry for a second. He's in the machine. He feels like he's dying. Okay. Cut away. 
to Helen, who's like been a little bit like Helena. Helena, yeah. Okay. Whatever. I was like, Helena. did I make that up? H, whatever you want to call her. Uh, who she's had like a few chapters here in book one, but is mostly present in book two of like she is a scientist who is doing Alzheimer's research because her mother suffering from Alzheimer's. She was interested in it before that as well, but is like really pursuing it, um, trying to come up with some sort of like, if not a cure, then just a way to help preserve memories so that people with Alzheimer's can revisit their memories. She is struggling to find funding, but this that she is approached by a representative of another person that's like, hey, no, you're about to run out of funding. Do you want to come work for my boss? And she's like, who's your boss? And it's basically like the Elon Musk of this world, I guess. I was going His Bill name... Gates, but yeah, I think Elon yeah, Musk is probably closer. I hate to summon, I hate to summon him <laughs> by saying his name, but Grimes' ex-husband. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, and Mar- his name is Marcus Slade in this universe. And she's like, holy shit. Yeah, I would love to work with Marcus Slade. He's like this cool prodigy of a person who is like so rich and so smart and so successful. And he's a high school dropout. Can you believe that? So weird. Um, He's like, yeah, we've been paying attention to you. Come live out with us on this like remote oil rig 200 miles off the coast uh, where you cannot leave for until your contract is up. And you can only talk to your parents on a video call once a week. Like... <laughs> Okay, sure. For research, we'll do it. She goes out there. Because um, of the science. Because of science, and she loves science so much. He blinded me with science. <laughs> uh, Mark. <laughs> I mean, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marcus, like, woos her with his money and his... his uh, people that he hires to help her work on this machine and basically they 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 develop this it's like a chair and a little like headset you put on your head and it maps your memories um can i just say i know we complain a lot about like sci-fi books where they make up dumb names for things yeah but i feel like we might be wrong in that because what he went he went with the very simple option of just always referring it to referring to this item as the chair the in chair. this book and it got to the point where the chair kind of like the word chair kind of didn't seem like a real word anymore because it was it sounded like so a much. bullshit made up sci-fi yeah, word like, didn't chair, it chair 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 chair, chair, chair. <laughs> don't do this to us don't do this to our listeners <laughs> like i was like oh this is why people give them dumb bullshit names so that it's not just chair 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 but the chair is like so sexy like helena could not imagine a chair like this coming to being because her and her uh like mind i guess i don't know why that was such a hard word to say in her mind she was envisioning like you know that scene in um uh clockwork orange yes that is exactly like what i imagine like having your head strapped to this metal chair and your eyelids pried open except for like they want no sensory so they dunk them they put the chair inside of a sensory deprivation thing anyway um so they they map the memories and then they can like manually recall those memories in a person's mind if they are strapped to this chair cool what a fun toy (laughs) Marcus wants to take this a step further, and he's like, what if we got the sensory deprivation chamber, we put someone in the machine, recall the memory, and then killed them? What What do you all think would happen? 
<laughs> and like the way he the way he claims they're gonna do it is they're gonna you know like not the DMT that's yeah not super kill him you know do the the thing where you kill you'll him resuscitate and resuscitate that's what he's yeah. selling it as but they don't they don't do that <laughs> also this this is the setup of like how this time travel works and we are getting this thing in this part where Marcus is like very sure that it is going to work and it's like oh because he did the time travel already that's why right like he he's done time travel yes. and so he yeah. knows this will work because it has already worked it's so right? weird how he seems to know things yeah. that he shouldn't know blah 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 the pro like so for a second you kind of get lulled into this sense of like well this doesn't seem like it should work oh but Marcus knows it'll work because he he's seen because it work it did. and then yeah. it's like no, wait, but it's still, like, taking that out of the equation, this doesn't seem like it should work. <laughs> like, this <laughs> concept doesn't seem like... It's real loosey-goosey. I don't... It's real light on the side, I feel like. Yeah, you just gotta go with you just what have to accept says this in this is what we're doing. This is, yeah, this is almost just, like, fantasy. Like, all right, magic, uh-huh, uh-huh. got you. That's what you were saying. Now earlier. we're yeah. yeah. Now we're gonna say this, and someone's gonna come and email us and be like, "Well, actually, you'll find that some scientists have theorized that." And I don't give a shit. It seems fake. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough friends who do brain stuff. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Psychologists friends, weigh though. in. Would this work? <laughs> no, don't please. <laughs> Psychologists weigh in, but only to your wife, who is a host of this podcast. No, I don't want to no. hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Marcus is like the whatever DMT stands for, that thing that like is released when you die. That's like kind of what people, Dead scientists theorize is what causes you to, well, yeah, it's what causes you to dream. And then when you, when you die, like causes your life to flash before your eyes. He's like, if we release, if we get that big DMT release, like when someone dies, that will help them like become fully immersed in this memory or whatever. We got to take it to the next level. And everyone's like, fuck no. Everybody quits except for like three people, one of which is Helena because she's not allowed to quit at this point. And Marcus is like, you can't, you can't, you can't. <laughs> Helena's like, I, this seems bad. You seem like a bad guy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Marcus eventually finds, like, a drug addict who he can pay enough money to to go through with this whole trial. He dies in the process of having his memories mapped and, and, and re-shown to him, I guess. I don't... I don't Marcus does him. the thing that villains do in science when they're like, we have to keep going wait. for science. And everyone's yeah, like, wait. no, it's too dangerous. You have to go and he's harder. like, more science. More science. Science harder. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah i this is exactly how Fr- victor frankenstein was when he was putting together his monster mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the guy dies but it works like the whole procedure works but in a way that no one but marcus intended so the machine they've created it maps your memories and if you recall that memory while you're in this machine and you die you travel back in time to that memory complete with the knowledge of everything you've lived up to before that memory does that make sense no but (laughs) we're going with it yeah so basically you can live a whole life go back to a memory of you when you were a young adult and just live your life again but do things slightly differently with hopefully not fucking things up too much because there is a consequence to this um helen 
the book does this thing where like Helen is about to like throw a chair at the machine to like free the guy who's dead because everyone's like he's too dead he's too dead we can't resuscitate from how dead he is and Marcus is like hold hold no and then it cuts and the next part with Helen is like she's waking back up in her bedroom and she's like the fuck is happening why do I have a nosebleed and Marcus is like it worked uh and then kind of explains like hey we just traveled back in time and any any second now you're going to regain the memories of what happened so it's basically like the exact time that someone traveled back in time everyone regains all of the memories that didn't happen because of the time travel yes it makes much more sense when you're reading it. But this essentially is what false memory syndrome is, is people are going back in time, changing one small thing of their life, living a completely new life. But the people that they knew in the future are still affected by this in a very negative way. Um, so Marcus is like, do you see what we could do with this, Helena? We could change the world. And Helena's like, this is some fucking dangerous tech and you need to you need to cease and desist right now, mister. Mister? Sir? No. no. Knock it off. And Marcus says, I'm too high on science to listen to you. And... Got to science uh, more. <laughs> Helena's like, well, shit. The only thing that she has in her back pocket is to go to the machine. Her One of the engineers had, like, programmed a back door in for her, and they, like, mapped her memory of when she was first offered this job. She's like, she sneaks out. She goes back in time to that moment and says no. And then just fucking drops off the grid. Go back to Barry. He's in, he's in the sensory deprivation chair. He is uh, reminiscing about the last time that he talked to his daughter. And then suddenly he is back in time, 11 years to when the night his daughter died. Um, And she was killed in a hit and run accident um, and basically Barry alters the event so that it doesn't happen. And he lives a whole life with his daughter still alive. Uh, He stays married to his wife. They had gotten a divorce previous because, you know, a lot of a lot of couples split up in the grief of their child dying. Um, So they got a divorce then uh, in in the first timeline, the original timeline, I suppose. Um, And then this timeline they stay married until Megan like goes off to college and they're like oh actually let's not be married anymore they get a divorce whatever he lives a whole life still as a cop um and at first it's like super weird for him because he thinks okay when is the bottom gonna fall out like this has to be a cruel prank someone is playing on me but then as time marches on he's just kind of like this is my life and he stops thinking about it until if you were to go back uh-huh. And change one facet of your life, what would it be? Oh, shit. That's too heavy for... Okay, hold on. <laughs> for the middle of an episode like this? Uh, I think I would definitely change my college major. <laughs> <laughs> See, my problem is that none of the things that are, like, problems in my life are caused by some big traumatic moment it's all it's just me, capitalism capitalism and me not doing things in an <laughs> order i'm supposed mm. to do them in so like i could maybe you go, could do like a lot of small jumps yeah yeah i'd have to like be like jump every few weeks and be like bitch go to class 
<laughs> yeah. Or just like use it like a time turner. Just like yes. give yourself a few extra hours to yes. like do fun stuff so that you, your old self, has to do the boring things. Everybody would be getting nosebleeds every like two hours. Like, what the fuck? I just, I needed to finish this book. I'm sorry, everybody. Literally, I needed to see how it ended. Literally, nothing has changed. <laughs> So maybe the nosebleeds wouldn't be that bad. People would just <laughs> accept just, that that's the way life is. That's just how it is. You just wake up every morning with a bloody nose because Em needed an extra three or four hours at night to do whatever she needed to do. And, you know, everyone should be willing to pay that price for me. I agree. <laughs> uh, though I guess, like, how many people would be, if you were the only one, say you're alone in yeah. your room uh-huh. and you're the only one there, you would be the only one getting nosebleeds. Yeah, so I like, guess if really, I did yeah. it at the right time, if I was doing, I was thinking, like, yeah, as opposed to forever. going, like, if I was going to work oh, versus class, yeah. uh, that, so, like, anybody who saw me in class, it would be a different, or, like, work or class or whatever, it would be mm-hmm. a different memory for them. But if I just did it at times, like, if I was supposed to be cleaning, in my yeah. house alone versus reading a book. I could read the book, jump back, and then read another do book, the and then jump back, <laughs> and then probably just keep reading books and jumping yeah, back. Yeah, and never do the cleaning And then anyway. I would I'd be a million years old and have read every book. I dream, though. Yeah. Though maybe not. Maybe you would – maybe, as we see in the end of this book, your mind would break down. And you would no longer remember any of the books, mm-hmm. so you would have to start over. Anna, that's already the case. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll read a book and then, like, two weeks later, pick up the sequel and be like, I don't remember anything don't about remember. this. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how people go, like, the whole span between two releases Mm-mm. without rereading. I just accept, I mean, I don't reread. I just accept that I'm going to be confused for the first 25%. That's, that's fair. My life. Yeah. But if I had this magical chair, 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 I chair. wouldn't have to do that. Uh, imagine just having a sensory deprivation unit, though. I feel like that would be nice. That'd be cool. I don't know where I'd put it. <laughs> That's the biggest concern. I don't know where it would go. Like, it would, I feel like it would take up a lot of space. I'd have to be like this vampire sims and sims who just have coffins instead of beds, you know? There you go. And then I mean... If it is body temperature water, why not just take a little snooze in there? Yeah, but then you bring someone back and you're like, where do we make woohoo in the in the sensory <laughs> in the bush. deprivation? In the bush. Tent? Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> you right. got specifically for that purpose so you could woohoo <laughs> on a public lot. <laughs> Man, I want to go start a new Sims file. I do too, though. <laughs> Damn, no, I don't because they have so much stuff to buy that I haven't so bought. So much. And then you get into fucking kits now. Mm, yeah. Mm, bad news. Just wait for Sims 5. <laughs> Start over. Start all that. over. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know where I was. Oh, he lives his whole life until the anniversary of him going into the machine. And suddenly here he comes with a nosebleed. Julia is also there. She's like, what the fuck? I have all these memories of our daughter dying and i married another man and blah 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 blah. and barry's like oh shit we need to go to our daughter because all she's reliving right now is the fact that she's dead supposed to be dead so they rush to her and she's like kind of catatonic and just is like i'm not supposed to be here i'm not supposed to be here she's not dealing with this well at all i'm sure you can imagine i this uh, this seemed see this is my 
beef with this sort of narrative where it's like I would be ecstatic I know and if I was Julia if I was Julia I'd be like heck yeah my daughter's alive and I can go find that hot guy that I just had a memory about also there's a man named Anthony out there for me everything's coming (laughs) up Julia but like the the narrative of this book being it is bad to want to go back and fix things because you just Mm -hmm. have to accept that it happened this way like in order for that to work it has to go catastrophically with Megan, right? So of yes. course Megan has to be like, "Oh, I'm so sad that I'm alive." Like some like who would what who would, Who wouldn't want a second lease on life? Right. That's such a weird yeah. reaction to be like, "Oh gosh, I should be dead." Like, oh, yeah. okay. And like the book keeps trying to make this point of like people's minds just can't hold this if anyone would be able to hold the two realities, it should be someone who was would, dead and came back because they don't be have the one all... where there's only one reality. Right. It's just like only one. Two seconds of a difference of got hit by a car, didn't get hit by a car. You know, like that's yeah. really easy to versus like Julia, who's lived two full lifetimes and has to like mm-hmm. negotiate that. It, yeah. it just didn't, it did not make sense. It was very silly. And it was just to make the point that it is bad to want you to can't, fix You things. can't fuck with time. Right. And I'm you like, that is a it. stupid point to make. I hate when time travel narratives make that point of you shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't want to change the past. That's our whole thing though. And like, I, I, I think this is kind of aligned with like too, like the human being with the paranormal and wanting to stay human. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, you would fucking change. Yes. yes. <laughs> the, everybody who's like oh, immortality the- every time right. I don't- immortality take take the potion take as the long vampirism. as your body's not deteriorating like i don't right. want to be 600 years old in a piece of paper you know because yes. you're so like desiccated i want to be in the prime of my life 600 years old or alternatively it if i have the option of living to a normal human lifespan and then getting old or living 595 years and then getting old. Take the fucking 595, bro. Like, yeah. Th- yeah, every time. The point that they're trying to make in this of like, it's bad to want to change things. It's like the direction that it goes in of like, oh, science has to, we have to be careful with science and not do too much science because humans can't handle it. It's like, no, fuck, get the fuck out of here with that anti-progressivist bullshit. Like, I get that, yes, humans have done a lot of science that has fucked everything up. But, like, also, humans have done a lot of science that's made good stuff. So the idea that we just, like, Helena's point of put that thing back where it came from or so help me. Or so help me. So help me. And very anti-science to me in a way that's, like, it doesn't make sense for a scientist, right? And it only makes sense because the narrative is going where it's going, right? Like, it's like... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's as if Helena has time traveled from the end of this book and knows what the plot of the book is, right? But she doesn't. She doesn't. There's no... <laughs> uh, so the other big thing that happens in this book is that... Or it's, it's, yeah, like the chapter, but the book is that this other guy was also at the hotel when Barry was there and he kind of like overheard him talking about wanting to go back and build this huge fucking building uh, that he never had the chance to do. And he really regrets it. That's why he's going back to relive his life. Well, he builds the fucking building and it just appears out of nowhere. And suddenly we have like this mass surge of false memory syndrome. People are losing their minds. They're just like, they're just unaliving themselves all over the place. Like it's just a fucking mess. 
all over a building. Which, I mean, I guess that might make some... But, I mean, like, the memory differences there would be, like, like they talk about, oh, I remember having dinner Dinner in the restaurant that's in that building. Like, why is that life-shattering? I don't get it. I guess just the point of, like, oh... Not being able to trust yourself. Yeah, and, like, time is a construct. It's like, okay, I guess. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like humans are so quick to jump on the fact that, like, there are aliens in Roswell and, like, chemtrails and shit. Like, everybody loves conspiracy theories. People would be into this shit, you know? Like, I don't think people would jump immediately to suicide. I don't either. I think a much more compelling version of this story would be if it was told from Megan's point of view. Mm. Like, imagine the story opens... I remember my first death, you know, yeah. and like describing how it went. And then she wakes up in New York City in 2018 and suddenly she has had this full life, but like still trying to grapple with the fact that she's supposed to be dead. Going on the same adventure Barry has gone on with Helena later on in the book. And then like, wouldn't that be much more compelling? Her having to decide then, do I undo my existence by making sure this technology doesn't get in the wrong hands? Is that... And I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know for sure. But is that the premise of the butterfly effect? I know at the end of the butterfly effect, he goes back to the womb and chokes yes. himself on the placenta. That's what I'm like, saying. Or not placenta, <laughs> umbilical cord. So like, mm. <laughs> I feel like. Maybe. Maybe. Impossible I don't, to say. That was I'm such certainly like not an, going to watch it. I'm an edgy 13-year-old watching butterfly effects so deep. But truly, I think it was just a terrible movie. I don't know. I'm never going to revisit it. Uh, If you have watched Butterfly Effect more recently, let us know. (laughs) I guess. Um, (laughs) So everyone is grappling with this building. Barry's like, cops need it everywhere, whatever. But he, he gets separated from his family, whatever. And he's like, I better go chicken on Megan. Megan is struggling and she, um, she overdoses on some pills and then burns her building down on accident. Uh, she is dead again. Barry is struggling with the grief of having lost his daughter twice. Like, he went through all this work. Barry, it's all about Barry. He went through all this work to save his daughter, and here she goes, killing herself. You know, it's just, it, I didn't like that. I no, didn't like Barry's was... whole, like, reaction to it. Um, but he, so he's maddened with grief. He's like, I'm going to go to that hotel that I remember now because all my memories are here. I'm going to go to that hotel that I went to in the alternate universe timeline situation, and I'm just going to shoot it up and get revenge. And as he's about to do that. A normal male response to trauma. Totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As he's about to do that, he's stopped by a woman. It is Helena. She says, don't do that, because if you do it, you're going to fuck everything up. We get to book three. Book three, Barry's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, if you go in there, and you shoot everybody up, the tech is going to fall in the hands of the government, and the government's going to use it for government things, and government is bad. Barry's like, yeah, you're right. So what should we do in the meantime? And she's like, I have on this flash drive a virus that will wipe all of the hard drives and and make everything not work in there. We just got to sneak in the hotel to do it. Also, you kissed me four months ago, so I think we're in love, but also I can't tell you that because, you know, you don't know me. Yeah. I... Also was confused by this point, not because of the time travel, but because I didn't really get how this was in any way 
different from Barry's original plan of go in and shoot everything up. Because literally kinda, nothing changed. It kind of yeah. seems like they just went in and shot everything up, huh? Yep. It sure does. <laughs> so they do that. Yeah, they infiltrate this building. They have to do it a couple times because Barry keeps getting shot and dying. And uh, <laughs> Helena at one point's like, I'm making a save point. And she like, cuts open her her arm so because I guess those are the easiest memories to recall is like when having to do with like some sort of painful either emotionally or mentally or physically I mean um sensation so she she cuts her arm and she's like this is the save point like it's a video game um they get to the point where there's like some cops show up and Barry dies in a shootout and Helena can't quite can't quite get things erased in time and like she gets knocked out and arrested essentially but not by cops by like secret like dod type people so the machine falls in the hands of the government anyway basically that whole that whole thing meant nothing uh (laughs) except barry's dead now so that's yeah barry is dead Um, A couple weeks pass, the Department of Defense is like, hey, we want you on board to help us. We want to use this machine for good. And Helena's like, you can't. You can't use the chair for good. The chair is evil. Chair is bad. Chair, 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 chair. Chair, 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 chair. And government guy's like, just watch. There was a school shooting yesterday. Look, let's go back in time. Pew, boop, they do. The school shooting doesn't happen. Cool. Um... They just, they just do this for a while. Helena, Helena is like the voice. Like they're always, they vote on like what natural disasters or tragedies or whatever that they will try and prevent. Uh, and Helena, every time she votes, she's like, I think we should just blow this chair up and not do anything. But and since you're asking me, I'm going to go ahead and say yes to this one. Like, okay, also, Helena. Like, every time they're like, Helena, what do you think we should do? And it's like, I think we shouldn't do this. And I don't like the chair and I want the chair to die. It's like yeah. they could have just put that on a like button and tapped it like the easy button and got rid of Helena. Yeah, they don't that need, was easy. Because they're, they're like, we need you for your... I forgot conf- about staples. <laughs> we need you for your conflicting opinion. And it's like... No, you don't. You know what her conflicting opinion is. Yeah. you. She's always going to be the one that says, no, don't do it. Like, how is that helpful after a certain period of time? Just go to Build-A-Bear and get a little teddy bear with a little a little scientist's lab coat on and yeah. have it programmed to say, I don't like the chair. We should blow up the chair. And you could just use that every time you have a question. Just, you could even just make a Google routine. Be like, hey, Google, run Helena. And then it would be like, you should not do this. And it would broadcast to all of their Google homes. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry to Google users out there. Um, so they do this for a while, saving people. And then the military figures out about the machine. So... I guess, I don't know. I was like, you're the Department of Defense. Like, how are you going to keep that uh, hidden from your higher ups for very long? I don't know. They start using it for military things like, oh, yay, the U.S. dropped bombs on civilians instead of bad guys. So guess we can undo that now. Or like, hey, this helicopter went down. Let's make that not happen. So they're running more missions and more frequently. Everyone's getting tired. And then suddenly, like, this series of 
explosion starts going off in the city and like bridges are being destroyed but then like a few seconds later everyone gets a nosebleed and it's fine but then another thing is blowing up and then a nosebleed and everything's fine but then another thing's blowing up so a terrorist organization has gotten their hands on chair blueprints and has made their own chair and in fact more people than that have gotten hands on the chair's blueprints because they've had a leak uh, and the blueprints are out there. Anyone, I think it's like anyone who has $25 million on hand, you know, as we all do, um, can just build a chair and fuck around with history. Uh, China and Russia are like, hey, we've got it. And of course the U.S. is like, can't have that. So now we're in like this situation where the entire world knows about the chair and Helena is like, what we can't, this is, we can't do this. Like what if someone sends someone back to World War II and makes it not happen and how do we account for the changes that would come about from millions of lives not ending i just again when your moral point <laughs> is isn't it good the holocaust happened like i know that's not exactly it's, what he's yeah. saying but it's really hard to get on board with helena like it's really hard <laughs> yeah i understand i understand no, i don't from, know from a they're just a like numerical... u.s won't be powerful what yeah from a numerical perspective of like <laughs> a lot of things wouldn't happen that should have or not should because that's that's i think the would problem. we have gone to space i think that's the problem right that it assumes that so much these time travel narratives assume that there is a should have right like yeah. it's like the timeline we're in is the correct timeline and any other timeline is deviant and therefore bad. Like, yes, things would be different and you can't predict if they would be better or worse. But what you can predict is that the Holocaust wouldn't have happened, you know? So it's like, I don't know, maybe give it a go. (laughs) Yeah. Just see if you can go back again and let it happen. See which one was worse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, just compare. Just see time means nothing in this book. So Helena decides there's only one thing left to do, and she goes back to her teenage self before there were ever chairs, before there were ever any research grants or anything. She goes back, and she's going to relive her life somehow trying to destroy the chair or stop people from figuring out about it. (sighs) All right, this is my least favorite part of the book. (laughs) This is my favorite part of the book because it's just two people being sad and in love. Yep. So we focus back again on Barry um, and we get a series of sections here where Barry awakens to all of his memories of all of his previous lives because Helena is having to basically relive her entire life over and over again because she is never successful in solving this mystery of how to not have chair. And the anniversary of her going back in time is when the entire world remembers about the existence of chairs and after this first iteration (laughs) the first anniversary uh i think or is it the second one no it's the second one yes so yeah the first anniversary everyone remembers russia and china are like all right united states we know you're trying something because we all have these false memories now whatever you're doing stop doing it if you do it again we'll consider it an act of war don't do it again helena's like fuck it she goes back in time again um and every one of these lives she's like going to find barry and like having to explain to him i'm a time traveler we're in love in this past life we're in love now um 
and uh, you need to help me try and solve chair problem. And Barry's like, yeah, I love you. Let's do it. Let's solve chair. The second anniversary, everyone remembers about the bomb, or sorry, everyone remembers about the chair. And this time they just shoot off some nuclear warheads and completely devastate the United States with bombs. Um, in the first, in, in this first iteration, like they, Barry and Helena live super close to Denver. So they get pretty banged up cause that was one of the targets, but they still like manage to get all hooked up and go back in time. Helena goes back in time again. She keeps doing this over and over and over again. Um, I think there's like six or seven lives something like that, that she yeah. lives something. Um, one life she like doesn't go to find Barry at all. And lets Barry live his life because she feels really guilty of like burdening Barry with this quest every time and not being able to solve it. Um, And then when Barry remembers, because he does, he gets married to Julia again, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't remember about Megan, but he does marry Julia again. And when he like remembers about Helena, he gets a little pissed. He's like, why did she do this to me? But then he's also scared. Like, did she abandon me forever? will I ever find her again? Or is she dead? I don't know. Like if she died in the years before they were supposed to meet. Yeah. Sad stuff. And then also this is the life in which he has the realization that he should try to track down Slade, I think. Yes. Yeah. So here's that Barry only has like a few hours at most to live his life with his full set of memories. Whereas Helena is reliving it for entire lifetimes. Um, and so at the end of this life, he's like, I got to tell Helena we need to find Marcus Slade. <laughs> uh, he dies. They er, Helena resets time. They go through a whole nother life. And at the end, he's like, you need to find Marcus Slade. I think there's something about Marcus that we need to know. They live a whole nother life. They capture Marcus at the end. And then when everyone regains their memories, they're like, Marcus, what happened? And Helena has to rush to the machine to reset time or whatever. And Marcus tells only Barry you can go back to what they consider dead memories. Those are the memories of the timelines that don't exist anymore because you've overwritten them with other events. He says, you can go back to a dead memory and, and, and have that be the real memory, thus overriding everything else. You need to go back to the time. <laughs> you need to go back to the time that I killed Helena. And so Barry or Helena at this point, there was a scene where they had like tried to go back to a dead memory and it didn't work. Yeah. And then, so that's why they haven't tried this before. And then Barry's like, we can't go back to dead memories. And like Slade's like, keep up Barry. If, if I didn't want you to know about the dead memories, then obviously I would have gone back to a dead memory and made it. So you can't remember the dead memory. Right. Duh. Right. So that's what happened. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Sure. Cop out, <laughs> whatever. Um. Yeah. So in the very first original timeline, Barry, no, Sorry, there's like three characters. I can't keep them straight. In the very first original timeline, Helena was working for Ion, which is an entertainment company that wanted to make a very immersive gameplay or like movie viewing or whatever. And she accidentally created the time traveling situation. Marcus Slade was her lab assistant. And when he realized what was happening, he killed Helena and took the technology for himself, traveled back into time was super rich and successful because he knew everything about the past or the future and then asked Helena to work with him because he knew that they could create the machine together, but he needed her knowledge to do it. So he's like, you got to go back to that point in time and kill me and change that so that like the chair never happens because Helena will probably do the right thing or something. I don't know. So um, we get to the very last iteration of Helena's life because 
after like seven or eight lifetimes or whatever of continuing to travel back in time, her mind has kind of broken. She is suffering from like some version of Alzheimer's, I guess, um, I, caused by the time travel. Um, and in this life, they've decided to move to Antarctica and live on a research station in Antarctica. And there, no one's going to bomb that. <laughs> no one's going to bomb Antarctica. And you know what? They didn't. They could live for a long time. Uh, in this timeline, Helena dies before the anniversary, so she cannot go back in time again. This was her last life. She left, like, this sad-ass video for Barry, who I guess had been, like, going back in time just a little bit just to spend more time with his wife, which was, like, that's really sad, whatever. Um, Barry is – he lives past the anniversary. Like, he lives a few months beyond that because, like, why not? He's not dying anytime. There's not – they're not bombing him or whatever. He is about to, like, he's about to end his life just by, like, overdosing because he's sad and lonely or whatever. And then he remembers, oh, I forgot what Marcus said in that last lifetime. I've had, like, a couple months to try and remember, and I only just remembered now. Fuck. I got to go back to a dead memory. So as he's, like, kind of racing to, the, the you know, the drugs in his, in his bloodstream or whatever, he's trying to, like, map this memory of, uh, like the day before Helena dies in the very original timeline, which was like Megan's birthday. So it was really easy for him to do. And then he travels back in time and undoes it and everything is saved. I don't think we get a bunch of uh, description about that. Do we? I think it just, no, we do. Happened. Cause it goes, he, it's the epilogue. He goes to meet Julia on the birthday and they reminisce about Megan. And he's like, I yeah. have moved. Oh on. yeah. But he's not like, it's not, we don't see how he kills Marcus. But yeah. No, we do. Because then do? after, yes, because the birthday mm-hmm. happens first. And then he goes to the apartment where Marcus is. And he's like, what's <gasps> That's up, right. Marcus? I forgot about that. I'm here to yeah. stop a future murder. And Marcus pulls his gun out. And he's like, uh, I broke into your house earlier and took all of the bullets. But there's one bullet here. And then he shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't blame you for forgetting about it. It was a very dumb part of this book. It was dumb. It was it was dumb. And then and then I was also I was so mad because then we get so he goes to find Helena in this timeline. He says, Bye, Julia, peace. Like we've celebrated our daughter, our dead daughter's birthday. Um and he goes to the bar to meet Helena and he like turns to say something to her and then the book ends. Yeah, like in the middle of a sentence. Which it's a move, whatever. A you might like it, you might not. But I didn't like it because I, I didn't like the romance. I didn't give a shit whether he talked to her or not. I just find it infuriating that the entire premise of this book is you should move on and not cling on to things in the past. And then he clings on to the thing in the past that is the woman. Like, yeah, what is what are you trying to say? What are you trying yeah. to say? I need you to decide. Need to- I need you to decide if we <laughs> all need to moral? move on and not try to get back the things that we love or if we need to chase them to a bar, even though they'll have no memory of us. Like, I don't know. But what we'll you have me. memories of how to love them. Ugh. Ugh. Hate it. Hate so that he's ending. the only one in existence now that knows about the chair. Yes. And hate that. Ending. Presumably he will not do anything about that. <laughs> <sighs> so that was this book. That was this book. It had its moments. Overall, this is just not a genre for me. Mm. Um, I I just don't like, I like a mystery. I don't like a thriller. And I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what the distinction is, but it's a big one for mm. me. I like when people are sad and in love in Antarctica. So I liked that part. But the cop stuff, I, you know, wasn't here for that. 
<laughs> yeah. So, you know. You know. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it for this literary submitted yeah, for thank now. Thank you for submitting it to us, Arthur. It's definitely yes. not one we would have reached for on our own, I don't think. So I'm glad I read it. I know Blake Crouch gets a lot of hype. And to be clear, keep submitting stuff because we will, A, be doing more full units that are not grab bag units from suggestions. Yes. And also we'll probably do a grab bag unit at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, and I know you all love when we don't like books, so. Yeah. You know it's your favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you hate when we're happy. <laughs> it's a real fucked up relationship we have here. <laughs> uh, cool. So next week we are starting our highly anticipated warrior cat series with warrior cats number one (laughs) into the wild by aaron hunter excellent 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 and then that's what we'll be reading either way so if it's not the first oops Oops. (laughs) um and then the week after that we're starting my next unit what is it gonna be i'm so excited so this is something i've kind of wanted to do for a while but it's never quite fit because we've been doing like other romances or something like that so it's a romance unit, but it's a very... Blast. Oh, don't say that yet. It's a no. very specific type of romance oh, that no. I have never delved into. Okay. Um, and I say specific, but it's actually like kind of got subcategories, but... Is it monster fucking? No, that would be great. No, we're not doing that. Um, <laughs> it is clean or sweet romance. Oh. Also sometimes inspirational or christian romance no. also falls under that no <laughs> i'm not leaning that way no um so <sighs> fuck what are we that is going to be my my you. distinguishing thing that i'm going to say it has to be marketed as one of those right like clean sweet inspirational <laughs> and the first this. book that we're going to cover you said romance i was so I psyched I, so I was so excited this is gonna be the so easiest hyped. unit in the world uh-huh and then you pull out the inspirational tag. And just to be clear, do you are you primarily looking for romances that do not have sex in them, or are you primarily looking for romances that lean heavily on the on the god trope? Um, I think that I am specifically looking at not sex. Okay, okay, okay. But I'm working with that. I, can I work with feel that. like that overlaps a lot. <laughs> Because why else would you unless God said so, right? (laughs) So the book we will be reading first is Edenbrook by Julianne Donaldson, which is marketed as a proper romance. Wow, what a great sounding book. Can't wait to get to that. (laughs) In the meantime, if you have any books, units you'd like us to cover on the podcast, you can email us, shelfawarecast at gmail.com or twitter at us at yep shelf Warcast. i did that in the wrong order it's fine just keep going go with it uh as always thank you to ben cope for the use of our theme song you can check out his youtube channel in our show notes below we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those you definitely should like we said last time warrior cats just around the corner clean you know romance you be just here around the corner day one of warrior cats and clean romance so good uh if you use apple podcasts or spotify we'd very much appreciate a five-star review but if you don't that's all right because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like in the words of blake crouch this is some kind of hell she says dark ready to come down to the lab and kill me again darling (laughs) that's about as funny as this one gets yeah pretty much
a really funny and mean thing that we could do. What's that? Is just upload this episode and then upload a different episode. Wait, what? Upload this episode and then replace it, like, after, like, a week or so, replace it with a different episode. Oh, my God. And be like, we don't know what you're talking about. We never recorded that episode. We never did an episode on recursion. (laughs) We'd have to go back and edit the episode where we said we were going to do recursion. And then, like, in, like, a month, we would be like, oh, my God, guys, the false memories. The false memories. (laughs) Be a lot of work for a very dumb prank. It would be hilarious, maybe for like three people. For me. (laughs) And that's the important thing. That's the important thing.